Hello and welcome to episode four of the Large Format Photography Podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by my co-host Andrew Bartram. Hello Andrew. Hello Simon, how are you doing? Very well, very well. Um, but before we get going, I want to thank Ben Horn for being our guest uh, in the last episode and uh, and also thank him for letting us use that pretty spectacular image in the uh, the canyon, I think the shot was called Canyon Light, um, which we used for our artwork for the last show. Um, now then, today we are joined by Rachel Brewster Wright, who is perhaps better known as the lovely Rachel from the Sunny 16 podcast. Hello, Rachel. <laughs> Hi, that's such a nice welcome. It's lovely to be here. Uh, it's it's funny people like hear that phrase the lovely rachel and they, and they think that people are just saying it but we're actually contractually obliged to say it. it's actually part of your name isn't it uh yeah yeah definitely um i'll, I'll answer to most things to be fair so <laughs> uh, but that's very sweet of you um yeah I, I i'm happy with being called the lovely rachel that's very sweet of you very nice um and i'm glad that we managed to do only two takes to uh to start the show this week so uh excellent work Charles. is that is that down to the lovely andrew <laughs> quite possibly <laughs> i've been enjoying listening to the various different accents as andrew says hello to simon at the start so, uh, so that's did, good. did you want to share the discussion we had before we started or would you like simon to tag that on at the end simon could always tag that on at the end i think i, I guess i will we'll we'll have we'll have an outtake on there <laughs> I mean, B-roll. It, yeah, it's it's certainly a case just for our listeners who are thinking, what on earth is going on? Um, and it, it seems that whenever we start a podcast, it, it, you know, we actually manage to get through a podcast all the way through in one take, except for the very start. And it's just generally Andrew putting me off by saying hello in a... <laughs> hello. Well, he just says hello, and that's, that's enough to put them off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, back on to uh, back on to this week. Um, thank you for joining us, Rachel. Um, oh, of course. <clears throat> now, I think a lot of people uh, that listen to the show are probably going to be familiar with us because mm -hmm. uh, with with you, sorry, um, because uh, your pod, well, the podcast that you're on and is called the Sunny Sixteen Podcast, and that's been mm -hmm. going for maybe about three years now, maybe. I think so. Yeah, um, I, I've been with the chaps co-hosting that for two years now. I I think Ooh, I need to work out when my anniversary is actually they didn't buy me a cake so far so I'm hoping that we haven't missed it <laughs> that's, that's pretty poor form there I've got to no that I, I have it under strict authority that Graham did in fact buy you a cake but he ate it oh well <laughs> no surprises there <laughs> no exactly <laughs> Well, I think uh, before we we uh, delve into um, your large format uh, interests, um, perhaps uh, you can tell our, our listeners um, a little bit about yourself, um, about you know how you got interested in photography and uh, how it got you to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So I guess it goes all the way back to um, when I was about three years old and my dad was in the RAF and he basically worked quite a lot with uh, reconnaissance, learned the photographic trade um, whilst he was in the forces. And obviously having a, a young daughter at home was like, right, well, I'm going to teach you how to make pinhole cameras and all sorts of things. So I guess my first photographic experience, if you like, was um, make, taking a photo using a pinhole camera. And uh, one of them, um, my mum wrote on the back saying, Rachel's first photograph, age three or something. And uh, that kind of always just sort of like stayed with me, really. Um, 
as I grew up a little bit, um, I remember my dad bringing back uh, stories of things that he'd been sort of sent um, to verify and do the tests and things uh, in the dark room um, to work out whether they were real photographs or if they'd been doctored in some way. And there was there was one in particular. Um, I remember him coming home. I was about six, I think, at this point and saying, I've been sent these photos in um, and uh, we've been running the tests on them. They've come down from Scotland and um, somebody's claiming that this is the Loch Ness Monster. So uh, I just thought that was just amazing. So in the end, uh, my dad uh, said that they'd done all the tests, they'd run all the um, all the things they could think of and, and what have you. And they had to go back and say, we can't definitively say one way or the other whether it is or is not the Loch Ness Monster. So wow. who knows? He could have been dealing with uh, images of the actual Loch Ness Monster, Nessie. I, I have memories Rachel, of mm. um, a program on when I was a lad. I'm a bit older than you. Simon might remember. He's old, like me. <laughs> Simon, do you remember a program when we were lads? And it, and I've got a feeling it was hosted by David Attenborough, but I, I could be wrong. And it was all about the unexplained and sort of mythical creatures. Mm. And, and they often used to have, well, it seemed to me they often used to have the Loch Ness Monster on, but maybe it was just one show. And they showed all these photographs. Maybe one of those photographs was one that Rachel's dad quite possibly it would have been early 80s yeah mid yeah mm. sort of like mid 80s probably um I at this I point i can't remember david attenborough doing that but uh there used to be the <laughs> mysterious wor- world of arthur c clark though that used to be mm. yeah like, like, not, that. Young. not that not that <laughs> and then was, there was, then yeah. there was that guy who um <clears throat> this sounds like the sort of thing you'd love to do rachel take your little caravan and go and live by Loch Ness for a year there was a guy who did that in his van. Did you ever see that? He was on TV a few times, and, no. and he set his uh, camera up, and he got, and he just parked and lived on the side of Loch Ness for about a year. Ah, that's amazing! Uh, wow, uh, what a beautiful, um, you know, space out of your back door or your front door or what mm. have you, you know, right on the lock. Gosh, that's amazing. Um, cyanotypes of Nessie. Good. There's so many options there, isn't there, Andrew? So many options. Um, I think that you know that's really where the sort of magic of of this kind of took hold for me um I just thought it was fascinating and my dad's actually a really um uh, pretty pretty awesome artist um not that he ever thought any of his stuff was any good so he used to like get frustrated with it and rip it up and chuck it away and th- and things um but I'd look at these and be like oh my god they're amazing and um I remember him going into the dark room and, and um painting with emulsions and things but just I think probably just with like the fixer on um on the photographic paper i'll have to ask him actually because i'm not sure how he did it um and then he would expose it and it would basically be that he'd he painted blind effectively like in the complete black like dark and um and then he would process it afterwards and you could see these amazing kind of like um uh sort of like chemical pictures would appear from it which i thought was pretty awesome so uh, yeah i'd love to find some of those <clears throat> So, and Andrew, um, I, I saw you unmute yourself there. Are you, are you going to ask a question about that? Is that something you can uh, help illuminate us on what, what might have been going on? <laughs> oh, you're far too observant. Well, I might have unmuted my microphone thinking I was going to say something clever, then I probably thought, <laughs> thought better of it. <laughs> but I was, I was immediately drawn to liquid emulsion, of course, and, mm. you know, and it's a topic we can discuss a bit later. I'm not sure if, if Rachel dabbles with it, but I doubt he was using that. No, no. Um, I, that's why I was thinking it might have been that he was actually painting with 
fixer onto photographic paper so that when he developed it, obviously parts of it would already have been fixed. So I, I'm not entirely sure how he did it. I will have to find out. Um, but no, it wasn't. It wasn't liquid emulsion. That's not something I've I've dabbled with. But I just think it that's fascinating and definitely is on my list of things. That there's an ever growing list of things that I I really want to try um, and uh, experiment with and and test out and and just see where you can go with that. There's a fantastic artist um called tina Rowe. i don't know if you've um uh spoken to yeah, tina she, much, she's yeah. been on she's been on the lensless podcast mm. you mean you haven't listened to her um well obviously we've had her on uh yeah i know i know tina she's lovely and um she does some fantastic work but uh she, obviously she works a lot with um liquid emulsion um I and believe. oyster shells that's right yes i'm due to go mudlarking with her fairly soon i've fantastic. been fantastic i mean since we since she came on the lensless podcast i've been in regular communication with her mm -hmm. And um, I could I could announce this here because no no one listens. She's actually going to be a, an occasional third host on the Lensless podcast. How exciting! That's Indeed. awesome. And, oh, uh, but it won't, it won't be just her. We've got a couple lined up at the moment. Two two ladies, mm -hmm. her and Kai Lewis as well. And, I don't uh, know if I've seen Kai's work. Um, yeah. I will have to check hers out. Yep. Uh, so that's quite exciting. So yeah, oh, I'm mudlarking. Yes. She's taking me down to the Thames to find mm -hmm. oyster shells and then show me how she does her liquid emulsion work. Fantastic. So, and I think Kai is joining us, but she's got a few health problems, and mm. it's just a question of finding a suitable time for us all to go down there. But we're in discussion, and it's a plan we're desperately trying to hatch. But yeah, she's great, Tina. Well, I was just going to say to to, to help you get back on on track, uh, we've 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 covered the Loch Ness monster mm -hmm. and doing something odd with Fixer. Mm -hmm. So ho hopefully that'll tee you up for your next, yeah. the next section of your life. How old How old are you at this point? So probably about eight by okay. the, by now. Uh, it's fine. Um, this this will be a very long podcast and very boring for everybody. So I will fast forward. Um, I ended up going to um, art college and I did my A level. Um, photography that's that's actually like the only um formal education in photography that i that i've had that i did um was my a level um and i did that alongside like a, a b-tech at the time in media um but i absolutely just loved my time in the dark room at college at art college it really felt like home uh to me it was um it was a lovely kind of i think partly drew me to it is that it was an, a place that you got some peace and quiet and you could just sort of spend time in there reflecting and just being quite methodical and testing things out and trying things. And yeah, I just think that never really left me. The, um, uh the digital kind of period was a period was coming in at that point as well. So this has been sort of like mid to late. 90 yeah like late late 90s early 2000s sort of thing so, uh, when I went to university so I went to university um along the sort of media production route um in the end and um left darkroom behind at that point um unfortunately very sadly my my dad had to like sell all these cameras to to buy a, a digital camera so that I would be able to do my um to my degree which is really sad and um obviously he had to, he sacrificed a lot for for that um so we're, we're, 
so that I was able to go and do that. Um, um, it's obviously very sad now. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, Parent, parents do this. I thing. know, I know. The sacrifices we make for them, and then we, when we tell our kids the sacrifices, they say things like, "Oh, I didn't ask to be born, did I?" <laughs> Um, I I can't remember specifically saying that to my dad, but possibly, you know, who knows? No, you're far too nice, um, Rachel. <laughs> uh, but you know, it did. It was really sad that um, it means that I obviously he doesn't have any cameras that he could sort of like lend me and things. But um, on the nice side of it, it, it's meant that it's a whole um, a whole conversation um, that we've been able to kind of revisit as I've obviously got a bit older and what have you. And since um, setting up my business, obviously like five years ago now, a little vintage photography, um, it's been even um, more apparent that, you know, the, there's lots of things that we can talk about and discuss and things. So um, although we don't live um, particularly close geographically, it's nice that we're able to uh, uh, to talk about that when, when I do see him. So, so that's actually been quite a lovely way of, um, you know, our father-daughter relationship changing over the years and um and something that we can connect over um still which is really cool so perhaps you might want to tell us a little bit more about your business and mm. little vintage photography so um i uh, went to uni as i say in media production i did my degree in that and then i ended up running the technical department at John Moore's University for about seven or eight years. Um, so that was very much, uh, I was literally, you know, working with razor blades and and tape and all sorts of stuff. You know, it was um, sort of like stick it together with the cellar tape and uh, very old school, uh, even in obviously, you know, early 2000s this was. And, um, uh, and I think it was that part of it that I always loved, the hands-on practical element. And so after I left John Moore's University, uh, my post there, um, I ended up going to um, Staffordshire University and working on some projects there, running it as a uh, production um, project and production manager. And actually, Simon, that's where we met. It's um, just so funny. Um, so I was doing that um, as a three-day-a-week post. It was like a, part, a part-time post um, and commuting from Liverpool to Stoke. And um, one of the projects that I ended up working on um, uh, was on the board um, with Staffordshire University, and it was in partnership with Middleport Pottery. And um, I just absolutely loved this. The pottery was just fabulous. It's such a fantastic place, a wonderful space. Um, I mean, I literally went in with my, with my old, I think it was my Pentax S1A, actually, and, um, and basically just sort of, uh, we were opening up rooms and dust was flying out and you know and you got all the old documents in the safe and um it, oh, it was just fabulous seeing all the old original um mold, um you know pottery molds and things um and i just loved that idea of being able to sort of like touch and see history and i thought well what's the best way of documenting this it's going to be with a vintage camera so um yeah i'd i'd happened to um I'd sort of been thinking for a little while what what did I want to do? Um, I um, uh, I lost my mum like at the end of my twenties, and um, and uh, it it was a big sort of like triggering factor for sort of as much as a cliche as it is, you know, thinking sitting down and thinking what is it that I want to do for you know however long I've got left sort of thing, um, and it kind of came back to photography and the dark room and hands on practical um physical kind of 
craft I suppose um and I've always just loved light and I thought you know that's when I was really happy perhaps there's something that I can do with that um and uh I looked around for inspiration to see who else was was working in vintage photography and things and I was sort of thinking well obviously everything's very digital now of course um but with any as with any culture there's always a subculture as well isn't there so I was trying to kind of get my fingers into the like what's the undercurrent you know what's the sort of subculture that push against digital I'm sure there must be other people doing this um and really the only two places I could find were Lomography and um the Worldwide International Pinhole Photography um Pinhole Day um was it Worldwide Pinhole Photography Day sorry yeah uh, those are the only two that I could really sort of like find um at the point when I was looking at this um so I thought well I'm sure other people will still be interested in in what's happening with this because there was um, a bit more of a um, a sort of drift towards um, slowing down, being a bit more mindful, the whole like digital detox and that kind of thing. Um, so I thought, well, maybe I can encompass things that I really loved about the two jobs I, you know, the sort of like two careers, if you like, that I'd had. Um, in education and in in some kind of like creative endeavor um, and kind of bring them together and set up um, my own business. So that's what I did. Um, I ended up, unfortunately, they had a restructure at Staffordshire University, which meant I was out of a job um, with a month's pay (laughs) and a mortgage and a dog to feed. And it was all very scary um, at the time. Um, And well, you know, it's it's a small business. It still is. You know, um, if I don't (laughs) bring in the jobs, I don't get paid. Um, There's no sick pay. There's no blah, blah, blah. All the rest of the challenges that come along with that. Um, But equally it was a chance to kind of just take take a plunge really it, it wasn't so much a um a leap of faith and it's definitely a uh, kind of falling off the edge of a cliff um but you know you get to that point and you think well what are my options you know it's sink or swim I just have to keep on paddling as as fast as I can you know and uh, and see what happens so uh, so yes yeah, so that's how little vintage photography came to be and um I always wanted it to be a case of uh, combining um, the sort of education side, which I love because I just I've really enjoyed um, sharing, you know, my passion for this with people. And I just think that's that's awesome. I, I love seeing like the look on somebody's face when they get it, you know, when the penny drops or when they see their image appear for the first time in front of them. It just never, never loses its magic that. Um, and also the other side of things um, where it was um, perhaps some more uh, on the commercial side uh, where I was looking at things like entertainment. So shooting weddings as a hybrid photographer, um, uh, shooting you know um, obviously with my film cameras as well as as well as my digital um, so I'm I've always been very drawn to heritage and history and memory and all of those kinds of things and so as much as I can um, I try and keep those um, sort of in mind when I'm looking for work or when I'm um, uh, applying or putting in proposals for particular projects and jobs and things like that um, so yeah so really I've kind of made this um sort of like uh tang- tangle of uh of threads um into something uh, um hopefully <laughs> she says i have i think i have <laughs> um but yeah rachel. all along photography yeah sorry rachel, sorry, Andrew. rachel what, this um one of the things i'd written down earlier was 
heritage and memory mm. and you know that where where did that where did that sort of fixation that that because that kind of draw that kind of runs through a lot of your work yes. doesn't it? I hear you talk on Sunny mm-hmm. 16 and, mm-hmm. and other places and you know you talk with passion about the buildings that you're working in and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know you I think that's there's a sort of um a wonderful bit of serendipity or maybe it was planned when you you got into your cyanotypes and of course that's a way of looking at blueprints and I know you've incorporated mm. those into your work that's right so where do yeah. you think that where do you think that what is it that um, that gives you this fixation on sort of memory and heritage and um where did that come mm. from do you think I think do you know I think I've just always found um I think I've always found it interesting um just kind of being around older places or or thinking about you know it, I guess it all comes back to story really mm. um because it's it's like well who lived here or who held this or yeah. who owned this camera or what memories did they make with it and and I think yeah it just kind of comes back to story really um and I just in the craftsmanship of um you know um beautiful buildings I mean we're really lucky in Liverpool it's such a beautiful city um that was one of the things that drew me here in the first place um I just remember getting off the off the bus basically and and going ah this is pretty beautiful city and and just you know just loving those kinds of things and and again with like Middleport Pottery I just thought the heritage and history of that um I just find them fascinating it's not something I can really put into words I suppose it's more of a feeling but it's it's that plus thinking about how we tell stories you know whether that be you know in words or verbally or you know with light as we do with with photography um and and yeah so it's it's kind of I I always sort of say to people you know just because we stopped using these cameras doesn't mean they stopped working I mean obviously sometimes they have (laughs) stopped working but I kind of find that fascinating that there's these incredible pieces of machinery um that have got such love and care and craftsmanship in having made them and that they still work I think that's just it's just incredible really that um I think the other side of the um memory and legacy and that kind of side of things is very much to do with um uh, losses that I've suffered in my life you know obviously like all of us you know um we've lost people we love um I had you know, uh, been quite a lot of people in my life who who I'd lost, and then it sort of um, obviously my mum was a was a big factor um, in that as well. And I think it was perhaps a case of just reflecting on that a little bit more and thinking about what what is the legacy I'd like to leave and um, what can I do to help share this with other people and things too. So yeah, it was um, it was it's, that as well. It, it it seems to be something that draws a lot of. A lot of photographers. I mean, from from the book. Anyone who was listening, the last show we put out when when we were talking to to the lovely the lovely Ben. Now we're talking to the lovely Rachel, but Ben, <laughs> ben was lovely too. I mentioned right at the beginning that I'd been reading, and I'm I've just about finished it now. It's Sally Sally, Man. Sally Mann's memoir, mm, yeah. and the thing that struck me, and she refers to it a few times. She because she that whole book. Have you read it, Rachel? I haven't actually, but I was listening to um, the bit that you're talking about when you had she, a conversation with Ben. Yeah, she, and I thought it's fascinating the way she put oh, it. Oh, it it is, and also isn't it? The, the 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 other thread that runs one of the threads that runs through this this memoir is her idea that uh, 
the the memory she the things she can remember most that stay with her in mm-hmm. in her head are the things that she doesn't have photographs for she and she's come mm-hmm. to the conclusion that when she has a photograph mm-hmm. um, they become the memories and so the only mm-hmm. memory she has of certain people in her life are these photographs but where she hasn't got the photograph she has all these images in her head and she mm-hmm. says that mm-hmm. actually she says funnily enough she says photographs for her destroy the mm-hmm. memory Mm. Now, that seems a really odd thing to say, but she—that's that's what that's what she says. But it, but yeah. it is a fascinating book, and you have to read the whole thing, I think, to put it into, in into, into context. Mm. And then I was listening to. Um, have you heard uh, Johnny Sissons talk about his Carl um, Simon's mate on his other on his other show? <laughs> he's talking about um, some of the photographs he's made recently, which he hasn't shared, but he's. Okay. I think he's going to share. But in mm. the last twelve weeks of. Um, uh, well, he's done two things. He photographed a friend, I think, a lady who was dying, mm. and he, he shared one or two of those. Mm-hmm. And he's got s- similar pictures, I think, of his mum's mm. last time. And he and he's looking at ways of. He says he'd like to carry on making more of those sort of images, but he doesn't mm. quite know, you know, because it's a bit weird to go up to somebody he says and say, "Well, do you mind if I photograph you while you're, you know, in the in your last month?" Mm. But he's yeah. looking. He's looking at ways of where he can approach people somehow mm. and develop a trust and, and a bond and say look if you if you honor me enough to allow me into the life at this really difficult time then you mm. won't be mm. disappointed you know because yeah. life uh, you know birth marriage life and death you know it's all mm-hmm. we all it comes to us all doesn't it yeah and, uh, absolutely and, and often it's not recorded no no that's true and it's a very personal thing that you know how how you know um whether you'd want that to be documented of course you know Mm. in whatever way um i I read a story this week of uh, a woman taking photographs of her baby being born as she was obviously giving birth to it herself um sally man did that as well with a large format camera she did she, it. She was using a large format camera yes. while she was giving birth. Yes, and it's documented wow. in the book. Amazing. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, there's lots of, um, you know, people taking uh, taking photos, obviously, at newborn and what have you. And now they do it, they're doing it as a kind of like, let's capture that the, the moment of a child being born, of course. And uh, and it's kind of, I I didn't know that there was another woman who had done it as they were actually giving birth to the child themselves and things and you know um but yeah I don't know I guess everybody has a different line don't they where they feel comfortable or not comfortable with that kind of level of documentation I suppose my from my perspective a big part of what um brought me back to photography in general before I kind of got quite as far as going ah analog is the way I want to go um it was I I bought myself a um, digital camera for my 30th um as a way of going okay there are all these things I I'm just feeling like time is disappearing and I want to try and capture it I want to kind of hang on to it as as much as I possibly can so I'll just take photos of everything you know and so that's what I did and it took me maybe about a year and then I realised that I was just literally living my life behind the lens, behind the camera, and just looking through that and not actually living it. Um, and that's when I re- had that realisation of, okay, I need to not be doing this because this is driving me mad, and I need to take a step back and, 
yes, I want photography to be some element of this and it's a really sort of like strong and powerful like pull for me. Um, but it's going to be analog because that doesn't give me the opportunity of literally just taking thousands of photos and looking at the back of the LED, you know, LCD uh, screen and only living like that rather than in the moment. So that was kind of where I got to. Um, the, the sort of like process was okay. I need to, I need to change of direction. Um, I went for digital, and I was really pleased that I did that. But then also that led me to that realization, and then becoming involved in analog. And uh, yeah, I think that was absolutely the best the best thing for me um, because I just thought, yeah, that I could see around all around me. Obviously, so many people just just living their lives digitally and online and and the differences um between what is presented and what is real um were mm. obviously very blurred as well um and mm. just generally thinking about mental health you know and um my own and other friends you know mental health and and, and the um perceptions um of what is real and isn't real and you know what's life really like and uh, you know all of these kinds of things um we're just kind of really playing on my mind um so i thought okay analog's great because obviously yes the moment we frame up an image and decide that's the shot we're going to take we're editing aren't we we're taking out we're we're discarding everything else around and we're going that is the shot i want to take but i think there was for me anyway there felt like there was a difference between doing that and shooting it as in an analog way than living stuck with a digital camera to my face, you know, and seeing it only through that, really. Um, and I think the realisation was I actually went to Scotland um, for, <clears throat> I think, um, like four, four days or something. Um, and I came back and I realised I got like 1,600 photos or something. And I put them on the computer and I've literally never looked at them mm. <laughs> and and I thought so, well that's such a waste you know whereas every time I take a photo whether that's you know 35 mil or um, medium format or large format of course I know exactly which camera I've used where I was why I took the photo you know all of these things definitely feel like that gives it more value to me you know whether it would be to anybody else obviously probably not but at least I feel like I know what I've put into that and that becomes the memory for me of the action of actually taking that photo. I think the motiv motivation behind why people make images using photography is 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 really interesting. I I met up with uh, with, with another very talented lady at the weekend, Kath uh, Kath Cartman. I don't know if mm. you're familiar. I know with, her name with, actually. With Kath. Yeah, and she uh, she lives in Norwich. And I met up with her oh, okay. and uh, mm -hmm. Joe Joe Baker. You'll know him as Evil. Yes, evil chutney or or, <laughs> chut, or ch chutters as we've nicknamed really? it. And uh, so we we met in this coffee shop, and I I'd got my large format camera on the table, and I was showing it to Joe. And Kath walked in. I'd not met her before. We we interviewed her on the on the Lensless podcast, mm. but I knew what she looked like well roughly because she does a lot of self portraits, but they're not very well defined self portraits. So I had a I had a kind of inkling of what she was like <laughs> so she came in and uh, we, we were chatting over coffee i said well did you did you bring a camera and and i and she said i did she said but i don't i don't really t go out and take mm -hmm. photographs and she mm -hmm. she really she really does um just work on uh on ideas 
mm-hmm. that she has. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's inspired by different things and situations. She she likes to explore uh, um, self identity. Okay. You know, she, I, we, we were chatting about Francesca Woodman and went mm-hmm. to see Francesca's. I was telling about Francesca's exhibition at the Tate in Liverpool last mm-hmm. year, and um, he uh, and she had sort of mental health issues, and she made she made images of herself as you. You, you're as you're aware, I think Rachel of of, of to, to explore this first, uh, yeah, points, this yeah. th- this identity sort yeah. of issue she had, and and uh, and Kath likes to you know explore ideas of the way women have been portrayed over the years, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, references bits of literature. So she's mm. and you know I said this, I said mm-hmm. boy you you're thinking really deeply about this, but I was really impressed, you know, and I and I'm I think oh. Maybe I need to slow down a little bit more mm-hmm. and think a bit more about what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I, you know, it, we're all we're all different and unique in you know in our approach and our vision and and everything. Yeah. So you know, it's just because Kath does it that way doesn't mean that you should. You know, no, um, I know. I, I think you know uh, that's that's part of the whole journey, isn't it? That's part of what we love. I think about this hobby is that there's always somewhere else to go with it, so we can. We can um, look at how we how we approach something, and then if we if we get a bit stuck in a rut, we can look at okay, well, this is how I always approach something. Maybe if I change that slightly, that will give me a different result. You know, um, there's there's so much scope and potential with with analog photography. I just think it's it's brilliant, and and um, I uh, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, um, you know, I, I do. Uh, dabbling um large format um but i i use all all the different kinds of formats and things and um just going back uh, before i before i forget and move on to something else um another part of um heritage history legacy memory um was for me also around dementia um and mm. um and obviously you know how cruel a disease that is um but also that there are some ways that um, we can we can help, you know, in in whatever sort of way it is, you know, it's that <clears throat> um, that idea of okay, it doesn't, you know, it could be a really bad day or a really good day for for whatever reason, but it's about the feeling, you know, and if if they if um, Somebody, you know, I've worked with um, several sort of like dementia groups and things, and we were talking about things like um, tea and tech, um, and it was of introducing people to um, memory digitally, uh, recording their voices and stories and things like that. Um, and so I, I also thought, right, well, I'll take along, you know, some of my vintage cameras uh, to the same group, and it was amazing, just you know, what stories that sparked, you know, what memories that sparked, just by the physical. Um, cameras the older cameras being there um for people you know um of the older generation rather than early onset uh, dementia mm. that that were looking at these and and it was like oh i'm seven years old again and i mm. went to the fun fair and my dad had that oh. camera, you know that kind of stuff and i just thought that is just amazing and and it was just it was really lovely to be able to facilitate just that small little moment of happiness i think or you know um and what have you and i also found it was a really 
useful tool for showing children you know as well and being like huh okay so the things that always fascinated me as I said you know were what was the story who had this originally you know and who made it where did it come from has it you know traveled far yeah blah 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 um and uh, and sort of getting kids to sort of like see that as well is really eye-opening I think um so yeah so I just thought I'd, I'd mention that whilst I was remembering it <laughs> um well but, that goes again uh, important, it, isn't it? It, it, it is in, of course it's really important to record memories i was talking to some folks uh j- just last last weekend actually and i and i said to them um you know it was it was on mothering sunday and we were showing we were showing some pictures of uh, we were sharing pictures uh, it was on a sunday morning we were sharing pictures of of our of our parents and i sh- i showed a picture of my mum and dad uh, and mm-hmm. I, neither of them are here now mm-hmm. and i said to some of the, some some youngsters who were who were present i said it's really important to these kids i thought they that they thought i was mad i think that <laughs> you you print your pictures i said because mm-hmm. in 40 years time mm-hmm. you won't be able to access those yeah pictures on your phone i guarantee it you know mm-hmm. or or they'll be degraded due to solar yeah. flares or something but print them right on the back your memories and put them in a shoebox yeah yeah and you know we talk a lot about the need to print but mm-hmm. and of course sally mann said well actually when things are in a photograph then my memory of them is destroyed but actually if you if you're unlucky enough to actually lose your mind mm-hmm. you know through dementia or some other such illness then that that's gone, hasn't it? At least if you can show somebody a photograph. I remember my mum went through something similar, and I was able to show her photographs, and she didn't always remember, but yeah. often she did. Yeah, you know? and and sometimes it can just be as simple as like the touch of actually holding a physical print. I think because you know or having it in an album you know like yeah. oh yeah I remember that particular you know vividly I I know the exact color of our photo album at home that we had when I was growing up <laughs> because that would be what would come out so it would be like yep I know that exact um it's sort of like mauve kind of color that it that it was I mean that's such a crazy thing like for me to have retained that information but I'm like yep <laughs> that's our photo album um and I just yeah like the the smell of it the the physical like feeling of holding it um it had the kind of like the sticky it's sticky pages so you'd stick the the photo in and then lay the sort of like cellophane part over the top you know mm-hmm. and just sort of like that noise of like you get when you're like oh crap we need a photo for something it'd be like quick get the album out we need to take this one out and, <laughs> and go and photocopy it or something you know uh, so it'd be like the as you as you peel it out you know all of these things I just think uh, yeah yeah I have stacks of those that I collected when Great. my mum my mum passed away and so, some mm-hmm. of them are going a bit yellow I don't know whether mm-hmm. they probably they probably weren't archival no, were they whatever they yeah no exactly <laughs> yeah and i need to scan them really i've got they're all sat in boxes and like uh, and i'm a bit reluctant to dive into it all mm-hmm. and go it through the, the tra- yeah, yeah opening it up you know and the trauma <laughs> yeah. of it all yeah. so it stays in a box i know it's it's, the moment. it's that yeah that teetering on the edge of I, I want to do this and i know i need to do this but am i brave enough to mm. do to open that yeah. i don't know you know it's same, same for me you know i, ha- I haven't I haven't been brave enough to do that yet, but also I've kind of got to the point where I go, well, there's no point in beating myself up about that. At some point I will, you know, or it just sort of knowing that it's there, I think is input is enough for me, you know. But you're so, I'm, you've got a really good excuse because you're far busier than me with your <laughs> activities. 
and and to now get into see how I'm cleverly bringing you around to talk about large format photography. Uh, surprisingly, so, to, on the large to, format photography <laughs> podcast, I really like we hadn't talked about it. That's okay. So, what drew you towards wanting to try out large format, and what have you learned so far? Okay, so um, it was actually really early on um, in my in my decision to set up the business and to what I was going to do, it was all very much as part of that um, exploration um, part. So I'd sort of had the idea, um, I'd taken a day off work and I'd sat down with a notebook and I'd basically just written out everything, you know, what am I good at? What am I bad at? What do I hate? What do I love? And just tried to sort of like bring it back to some kind of um, form okay, what am I going to do next? And it became Little Vintage Photography. As part of that, I just I just sort of like had the idea for it. And I saw a, a friend had set, put a post on Facebook or something about um, uh, this artist residency. And I was like, well, I'm not an artist. I've never done anything like that. Despite going to obviously college, I did like my A-level photography. That's it. Um I didn't know how to like talk to people about art, you know, it's like, how do I, how do I, how do I describe these things? What, what is a critique session? You know, all of this kind of stuff is like way over my head. Um, but it was six quid a day <laughs> and it was in the Lake District. And I was like, yeah, I think that's probably something I just need to go and do. Um, so yeah, so I just went and basically chucked everything that I got kind of like film camera wise in my car um and pootled off up to the lake district and um and basically just sort of like um cap, sort of like stayed in the youth hostel there for a week and um and there was this fantastic very basic site um but it was just surrounded by trees and it was just super super chilled out and i um i'd taken my um ilford obscura um so that's the large format pinhole camera that Ilford make I have one you'll be yeah. surprised to know I am very surprised <laughs> not uh that you have one uh and and it really was what brought me back to it was I want something simple because I knew that what I wanted um above all of the rest of the like you know um I think what I realized was that you can end up very easily disappearing down a rabbit hole with this kind of stuff and knowing the kind of thing knowing the kind of person that I am I go all oh, this all oh, there's that and there's like a billion <laughs> ideas going on and so much happening in my head and I thought mm. I just need to try and be a bit more conscious of not disappearing down that rabbit hole too quickly um again you know just sort of going remember Rachel strip it back you know try and like slow down a bit and and just start with something simple um so well, that, yeah, but that, I, that that obscure pinhole mm -hmm. camera is uh, is is a great way of, of starting to handle large format film if you mm -hmm. or, or paper for that matter yes. you can yeah. use paper but if you want to if you want to dabble with large format film four by five film you can buy yourself a or you can make one but go and buy a, a an ilford obscure mm -hmm. they're not very expensive mm -hmm. but the thing is it takes one sheet and yes. you have to load it in a dark bag or you load it in a dark room and you have and it's a box inside a box mm -hmm. very very well made mm -hmm. and you have one one shot so you're immediately having to think really carefully aren't yeah. you yeah. Uh, yeah. about Absolutely. what you're going out to do yeah i i think yeah. i ha i think i have three large format cameras 
I have my Ilford Obscura. Mm-hmm. I have my um, Chroma. Um, I have the beta and and my you know sort of like final version um, that Steve made me, and I have um, Albert. <laughs> my uh, he has no other name apart from Albert. He's my wet plate um, camera. So ah, those those are the okay. three large format cameras I have. I so don't I, I don't think I knew about the wet plate one. Yeah. Um, so Albert hasn't unfortunately had that much um use recently uh again time or you know always always those things i wish i wish there was just you know th- this was just um i wish this was just a job <laughs> you could turn up to and just do and then go home and then i could be like ah oh, now i get to do the fun stuff <laughs> um so as much as because obviously i do love love my job um and the business that i've made for myself but it's always the thing that goes first is time for actually experimenting and, and doing your own work. You know, that, that is what always ends up going first out the door. <laughs> so you've got, you've got a, you've got a little portable enlarger. I know That's that because right. I heard you talking about it yes. in your suitcase. <laughs> yes. Um, and, three of those. <laughs> and I know, and I know a lot of your workshops are, are based around cyanotypes and we can talk, we'll talk sure. about cyanotypes, yeah. but uh, uh, have you used um i don't know do do you so that's an easy thing to do because you can mm-hmm. you can pre-coat the paper and you can de- sure. like you did at the photography mm-hmm. show you can give these demonstrations but have you have you done much in the way of using a darkroom in demonstrations or maybe using something like direct positive paper yes. where where you can record and then you know, just <clears throat> yeah your little red safe like you don't need your enlarger so that's sort of one mm-hmm. step further on isn't it and it, but it's you mm-hmm. you but you need a dark space Yes, absolutely. So I have a, a small dark room, um, which so when I run my workshops, I um, I use the um, the room that I have here, which is for for workshops, and then also the small dark room that I have upstairs, and um, that's where I run um, my um, intro to analog uh, workshop or pinhole. So this is, this is in your, in your or, house or somewhere yes, else? Yeah, okay, absolutely. Right. Um, so in the past, I have you know i go out and i sort of like pop up and deliver workshops there uh, depending on what the facilities are um or i create my own dark space in a place wherever it is if if needed um or i run them at home so i what i've always wanted to keep to is the idea that it can be really simple um and you can kind of anybody can do this you know and like that idea that um, you can make this work wherever, really. Yes, okay, you might need some some equipment, um, but really, like there was one project I did last year um, where I was working with um, uh, Birkenhead Library, and it was um, it was a kind of like weeks workshop that I did with um, twelve um, young children, uh, sort of under under sort of like twelve um age and um and we basically went all the way through and i had them building their own um basically large format cameras they were shooting on four by five paper you know so they were <laughs> um so i was showing them how dark to, room paper or direct positive um dark green paper mm-hmm. not direct positive um so yeah but at the end of the day they they created um you know uh 12 four by five or five by four negatives <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and basically that we then use those. There's so much again. There's so much scope and so much you can do with this kind of stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was just brilliant. And, and we did that down in the old children's library, which would happen to be the basement of the library. I was like, okay, if we've got a 
dark-ish space and and um and I got to go and see the sort of like the bowels of this incredible um uh building um which used to be I've no idea why they put the children's library down in the basement because it was scary <laughs> like scary as <laughs> um and the kids were like oh my god it smells dead funny and it's because it was all like musty old books and things and uh but it was so much fun because it was like it was properly like um an Indiana Jones sort of adventure you know and and um it we were sort of like creeping our way down the um down the aisles of the books and I was like right okay well this is dark enough now if we if we cover if we cover that um, that very small window, um, which obviously because it was a basement, there was a very sort of like small window. I was like, if we cover that, um, and I've got my bicycle light, you know, literally my red light, you know, um, and I'd obviously test, uh, you know, I don't just turn up and be like, oh, hopefully this will work, you know. Obviously, put a lot of prep into these kinds of things, but um, I knew that with um, Ilford. Um, paper um it's iso six you know um between three and six i think and i was like this is going to be fine you know this will be dark enough for them to if they've got because we'd um, loaded it up in the um uh, using the changing bags so i showed them how to do that and then we went out and we took the images they set it up and they sat for it and they waited and um, we timed the exposures and all the rest of it so they were doing the maths and you know all the rest um and I was like right well we can actually process that now so we'll do this thing called tray developing and we'll go down and we'll use the old children's library in the basement and it'll be spooky and scary and it'll be very cool and um and then I was like right if you hold the bicycle light here and then we we open up the the cameras that you've built and then we put them into the developer and then we and we put them into this one called stop and then we put it into this last one or fix it and that means that then we can turn it over and we can check it and they could just they just saw it like appear in front of them and it was completely magical and it was uh, yeah so in terms of um large format i absolutely love using um that and um again it started for me with going to this sort of like random thing in the lakes but um i i turned up with my aquarium heater um and a bucket and some chemicals and my camera obscura um and i basically just sort of made a camera in the barn and <laughs> there was no hot water there was no <laughs> you know like I said it was basic and I thought look if I can make images here I can literally make images anywhere, anywhere yeah. you know and and it was just really freeing that idea that it was all it is is sunshine and some chemistry and you know and you've got you've got a picture <laughs> how amazing is that so um yeah so ended up with obviously paper negatives um, and then I teach, you know, contact printing or um, as you as you mentioned, you know, I'm a little pop up in larger. If I'm using 35 mil or 120 or what have you, then obviously we can load that up and, and I, uh, show people how to use that and print with that. Um, I don't yet have one of the Intrepid enlargers, which I would love to get um, because obviously that would be an amazing um, way of, of printing up my large format negatives. Um, but yeah. I, I also really like that format anyway um, as a contact print. I just think they're really lovely and beautiful, these kind of like actual objects. I think they're a nice size. I, they I, are, I'm, yeah. make, I'm making a series of prints about that. Actually, they're not contact prints, but they're actually from a 35 millimeter oh, series okay. of negatives. But mm -hmm. they are a series of lith prints on four by five paper, really. Mm -hmm. But I was, have you used, um, have you used, 
the Harman Direct positive paper and have you used it in the in a, in your Chroma camera, for example? Uh, um, yes and no. <laughs> um, so yes, I have used it. I somewhat over enthusiastically. <laughs> I think it was at the photography show last year, um, was like, oh, my God, they've got direct positive paper. Brilliant. I'm going to buy some of that. I'm going to use yep. it on this next project. Yep. So I did. That's exactly what I did. Oh, dear. Um, I, I just didn't read up on it at all. Yeah. Um, I was like, this would be fine. I know how to shoot with paper. I do it all the time. Um, it just did not work. Um, it was so good. So, so bad. Or like, so good. It was so bad. It was so good. Um, one of those. I was, it definitely was a, oh, oh, I, I probably need to actually read about this before I use it. And I'd me- I messaged Graham, who's the co-host on um, Sunny 16 podcast. Um, and uh, and I was like, Graham, um, so I bought this direct positive paper. Um, you know, that I got that. And and I'm on a roof in Birmingham at the minute. And I I, just, <laughs> I thought I'd, I'd use it for this commercial project that I'm doing. <laughs> and I went to process it. And it's, it, I don't know what's happened. And it looks like this. And he was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you probably need to like pre-flash it and stretch it. And you've got to think about how to dry it. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. may, it, may, wasn't, it wasn't great my first attempt. But, you know, per, 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 learn. persevere with it. Because I, 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 I had great fun. And for folks out there, I'd, I'd recommend getting getting a box but it's um, really contrasty but well yes i i shared some over the weekend of pictures i shot of kath in norwich Mm. and that was unflashed was this the one where she was stood at the side right at the edge gorgeous i love that print andrew so good did you notice the way i skillfully positioned her so she that's what i mean i was like into the into the into the door into the door (laughs) recess of the film it was so good i love that. that but that was unflashed and it was such a dull day. I yeah. thought, do you know what? I think it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And it was. So I rated, <clears throat> I, I had my wooden bomb 4x5 camera with me. And I said to poor old Kath, who was freezing at this point, I said, just go and stand, <laughs> go and stand by the River Wensum. On, we were on a slipway. And I said, and sort of. Is that what it was? Okay. Yes, yeah. it was a slipway. And, and so I had the camera on a tripod pointing down at an angle. And Joe says, it's going to topple over. I said, no, it'll be fine. And I thought, I thought please don't topple over. Please don't topple <laughs> over. And so I said to Kath, you need to stand stand just there. Don't move at all. Because this is the thing with large format photography. You yeah. can't just you, – because um, I wasn't prepared. I hadn't taken the meter reading, mm-hmm. oh, okay. you know, and, yeah. and, and the film was still away. So I should have got myself prepared. So here's a tip. Get yourself prepared so that you don't have people yeah. standing around. Yeah, definitely. And, but it, but bless her, she stood really – really still and I, and I said I'm going to do this composition where you're just right on the edge so I, I'd um I went under the under the under the hood mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I quickly focused it I didn't use any kind of camera movements it was just mm-hmm. a straight focus sort of peering down this slipway and I I rated I rated the direct positive paper at ISO 2 wow. which okay. um I'd heard people talking that it was a good speed to use and I just took an average reading, and I made two exposures, and and that one, fortunately, was was the best. The other one came out a bit on the light side, so that mm-hmm. meant it had uh, too much exposure. That's you've mm-hmm. got to get your head around this. You see, yeah. If if the picture ends up with um, it's just, just it's too light. Positive image, yeah. Than the negative, yeah. yeah. You, you you've if it's too light, you've given it you've yeah. given it too much exposure. <laughs> So yeah. you it so tr- if you if you use direct positive paper and it's unflashed and we can talk about flashing, 
uh, if it's unflashed and you get a light result, probably the best thing to do is try it again, but in, rate it at a, a speed which is not, say, two, but four or six. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in other words, you're, you're giving the paper less exposure mm -hmm. and you'll get a darker image that's right but you have to reverse your way of thinking about it yeah like i like i say it was it was bad when i when i had a go um with it it was it was literally like i'll just have a go and sit and see you know if anything comes out of this it, it might be interesting to see uh, you know if i did it as a series of negatives and a series of positives and you know i was like that's fine. I've got three days. I'm here on site, and I sort of set up um, a dark room in the old maintenance office. And oh my god, those green lights! I couldn't get rid of these sodden green lights. <laughs> I was literally taping over them for hours. Um, uh, eventually, managed to to do that. So because I wanted to make sure that I was there trade developing at the time, because I knew I wasn't going to have time to go from um, Birmingham back to Liverpool to then develop it to then get back the next morning. And I was just like, this is crazy. I'll stay over. Um, I'll basically set up a dark room on site, and I'll just develop there and then, um, because I knew that even even doing that um, was going to be, you know, sort of like tough in terms of time times. Um, again, because I was um, also using because um, I had my Chroma, but I was that also was the, using, that was the beta version, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly, the beta version. And there were some difficulties with that because it was the beta version. Obviously, um, it, I think there were only like two or three of us that actually had one. And um, uh, Steve had made it made it for me. And, oh, my God, it was literally like half past 11 at night, you know, and he, it, the day before I had to go because um, it had been backwards and forwards. We were trying to make sure that it was going to definitely be done. And and he got it over to me, and I was like, oh, my God, it looks amazing. Um, but I'd, I'd asked for blue. You know, it was just like, yep, yeah, sure, whatever, you know, seems to be there sort of thing, and there was a blue. And then when he'd actually cut it, he – um, he'd he'd ordered the the blue, and um, it turns out that it was actually like a transparent blue underneath. Oh my god! I mean, what a thing to make a camera out of. Hmm. <laughs> ah, so there were what you might say some issues uh, with that. So uh, obviously, if it had been red, it might have yeah, been. Well, exactly, it been exactly. Okay. It might have been okay, um, but yeah, annoyingly, it wasn't. Um, and although he obviously had done everything to try and make it light tight, you know, in terms of quality of construction, was brilliant. Um, but it, it's the kind of um, one that when you look at it on the side, the kind of acrylic that it is, mm. uh, it looks like a neon, you know. <laughs> so it was basically just refracting everywhere. Like light was just getting in no matter what we did sort of to it. So, um, so yeah. So although I started with it, I ended up um, not being able to finish the project with it um, and ended up also shooting with my camera obscura. Is that, is that the first time you'd used a, a proper yeah. field style camera with yes. movements and things? That's right. Yeah. On a and, commercial project. Yes. Yes, and and, mm. and I chucked into the mix some direct positive and direct paper. positive paper that you've never used before. Because <laughs> you know why not, right? <laughs> um, it's mm. what you might call a baptism of fire. Um, so, but, well, because yeah, I thought I'll take it along and see if I've got time. And then I was like, okay, remember, I need to strip back. Just go with what I know will work. Let's get the shots in the bag, literally, um, and uh, and then and then I can mess around and, and see, you know, what else needs doing. So in the end, I think I shot maybe sixteen 
um, frames. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, sort of like five by four um, or four by five, whichever way. You see, now we've had this conversation oh, no. recently. Every... I can't think mm. which way I originally no, we're used to say we're it. English, so we should say five by four, I think. See, that's what I thought I always said, and no, now I'm no. confused. I often, say, I often say four by five. Don't worry, it's fine. We have... Apologies multinational um, listeners this is true so so yeah so in the end i think i came away with like i say about 16 um 16 eggs and uh, and some positives and a couple of very contrasty um uh for want of a better word uh direct positive yeah if you use if you're using direct positive paper i i've used it now flashed and unflashed mm. i was i did some portraits of my daughter when she was home mm on mother's day and i wanted to shoot uh, wide open at f5.6 on my lens with direct positive paper and it worked really well but i went into the dark room first and i i did a series of test exposures and the first sheet i put in came out i think it was pretty much all shades of light gray so Mm -hmm. i realized i'd given too too much exposure that's it so i stopped the lens down two stops i think and did it again Mm -hmm. and then i had this transition from really dark gray to deep black and in between all these other shades of deep gray mm-hmm. to dark black. And then mm-hmm. I, I came out into the daylight. I, I put it in the microwave oven as I do and dried the paper first. That's a good tip. Okay. I was going to say, actually, could you let me know what you usually do for drying? Okay. Well, yes, I can do, but for test strips and for, and for doing work prints, I put them in the microwave. That's what Ansel Adams used to do okay. because with, <laughs> with, with, with traditional, with traditional paper, it must have been early in the early days of microwaves. I don't know, but it was America. They had stuff, didn't they, before us? <laughs> it was America. They had stuff. <laughs> and oh. the trouble the trouble is with, when you're evaluating a, a particularly conventional piece of paper, is that the highlights with with fiber paper, traditional mm-hmm. fiber paper, the highlight highlights look great mm-hmm. when they're wet. Yeah, and people can be really disappointed with fiber paper because they look a bit muddy. Mm-hmm. So if you if the highlights look right when the print is wet, you then need to give you then need to go and make your exposure, but give it probably ten percent less. Less, yeah. So that the highlights, the if the highlights don't look as though they've got enough detail in the water, that's probably about right because when it dries, yeah, the highlights are affected more than the shadows. You notice this dry down phenomenon more in the highlights. Mm. Um, and that's something to do with the way the paper stretches and the and the way the light's reflected. But yeah. with with direct positive, you're not you're really looking for the first for the for the flashing time. You're looking for the first tone that is away from deep black. Mm. And again, you really ought to do it on a dry print. So I went and stuck it in the microwave, <laughs> dried it, and then I I'd also mark the steps with a pen as well so you can see because otherwise you can't work out where the steps are because it all looks black and you can't see whether it's one step or two steps or three so I marked on with a pen and in the and then it, it, under the under the red safe light I moved the piece of card along I think I just did two second intervals in the end whatever yeah, it was and she would do with a normal test strip yeah yeah but uh, instead of instead of looking um it, if I was looking for a for a flashing exposure for conventional paper I'd be looking for the first point at which it's not white. It's just the very first hint of a tone. You're looking for the first hint of something that's non-black. And I I determined that, and then I went and flashed a load of paper, Mm. and um, I got some nice mid-tones. So it it definitely does help. But you do need to be precise about finding that flash point, I think, Mm. if you get that wrong. Because I've heard a lot of people say, actually, there's no real difference between – I found no difference between flashed and unflashed. Well, 
there certainly is a difference. And you can use it creatively depending on the situation. Yeah. So when I was with Kath, mm -hmm. I knew it was a shitty day and it was overcast. And I and I thought, do you know what? I think it's going to be fine. And it, yeah. and that one I, that one I took of her proved it. Well, that's the yeah. thing. It was it, uh, for for whatever reason, and also usefully because I ended up um, using my camera obscura, um, and you know having rather long exposures. Anyway, it was actually a really really bright day, super sunny, like yeah. blue skies and things. So it just um, it just wasn't it just wasn't the right conditions for that. Or I should you know. Uh, it's one of those things that we all we all live and learn, don't we? Are but you've now you've now got the updated exactly, exactly. Chroma, which is a lovely beast. I held it in my hand. Did you? Uh, Excellent. At the photography it's so show, it's so different from um, the beta. I, I've got the two of them sitting next to each other here, and um, obviously because you've got you've got your rise, you've got you, you know you've got a lot more you can do with your different standards on on the final version. Um, what, what sort of movements do you have? Uh, we, I did have a. A comment on our Facebook group uh, earlier today saying, "Can you talk about movements, please?" And I said, "Well, camera movements—you know, not the sort that you'd do if you're not feeling very well." Sure. So, well, um, you've got obviously you've got your tilt. Um, you can sh you can shift. You've got your rise. You fall. Go uh, on. Expl explain what you mean by those. No, you've already done it. You did it in one hundred and one. I heard well, you. Did I? They can go back. Yeah, <laughs> they can go back and listen because it will get boring otherwise. Okay. Thank you for that. That's all right. I, I listened. I did my research. Really? I need to go back and listen as well to remember what I spoke about. Excellent work, Andrew. I was very, I was most impressed. Were you? Yeah, okay. definitely. So, yeah, so that's what I used for that particular project. And, um, oh, um, yeah, in terms of drying afterwards, because obviously yeah. the, the direct positive paper, when you're loading that in a camera, <coughs> sorry, in a changer bag into the back of your um, your camera or your, or your um, holder, it feels very different from uh, from normal. I say normal um, film. film and paper and what have you, um, because it's it's got a different slightly different texture, hasn't it? As well, so it, it does can, all. It's very useful. It very usefully curls. Yes, uh, in, in the right way, though it yes. curls. So the emulsion is it curls emulsion side facing you, so it mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. so it's uh, that's yeah. that's quite good at keeping it sort of under under tension. Yeah. If it's the cool. first time people are using it, though, they might want to watch out for that because you're yeah. like, oh, this feels a bit different from, from what I'm used to. So, yeah, so um, uh, so I shoot with that. I, I really like shooting um, uh, FP4, um, uh, like this partic that, that particular project. Um, I knew that the final images were going to be um, three metres by two metres, hmm. um, which is obviously enormous, um, which is partly why I went for large format um, because I knew that I was going to need big, big ass negatives for want of a better word <laughs> um, to, to make something that would, uh, that would blow up. Okay. You know, that would, that would actually look okay. Um, in the end, it was quite funny because I used obviously the um, beta, beta chroma as part of that. And also um, a beta, pixelator uh which which arrived and i was like i don't know how i put this bits together <laughs> um hamish very kindly um sent that over uh so i went into the university actually and um there's a lovely chap called luke who's uh, done some assisting work for me um in the past and he um happened to be uh sort of like doing a sort of part-time job 
um, as a technician there at the time. And I was trying to work out, you know, do I drum scan or how do I, what, what do I do basically? <clears throat> and um, in the end, I ended up taking in the, the beta pixelator and obviously the negatives and we got a rostrum and we shot it digitally and then stitched it all together um and that was what i used then to create <clears throat> sorry excuse me to create the cyanotypes from that um so i made that then into a digital negative as well so that i would have um an opportunity to make my um cyanotype like with the blueprints laid over uh and then be able to blow it up so yeah so it was a kind of like layered process, really. And I know that you mentioned originally, um, sorry, earlier, Andrew, you were asking about blueprints and things. Mm. Um, and what I wanted with this project was to make it very much about where we were and the kind of like, again, the history of the place and what it meant to be in the centre of this um, very busy, uh, you know, sort of like forward thinking, uh, commercial sort of like centre of Birmingham but with a uh, a nod to where it come from and its roots. So I thought it would be a nice way of kind of combining traditional technology uh, and processes with obviously, you know, um, some digital um, as well in terms of scanning it and, and stitching it together and, and everything. Um, but then using the original blueprints for the building as well and laying those over the image that are taken from the rooftop. So it was kind of like, this is the this is you know sort of like the ground level very much its foundations and this is you know what you can see um from from the roof you know and the skyline and and all of those things that that are ever changing especially in a big city um because that was like a fleeting moment really that was going to change forever like by the next week there'd be another building that popped up or another floor that had been built on the sky rise or whatever so um yeah it was it was kind of a, a wanting to bring these elements together and so we can't really have you on the show and not talk about cyanotypes mm, and it, yes. it, it's a topic that seems to be gaining uh, a, a lot of friends it's a it's yeah. a process that seems to be gaining a lot of friends i see I see loads of it online in on Facebook and in some of the in some of the groups. A lot of people are dabbling with it. It's probably one of the first, the one of the easiest ones and possibly mm -hmm. cheapest ones to mm -hmm. to get. Even Graham has started doing it. So if, if you know, and I'm very and so Rachel, could you just give us a kind of basic introduction to cyanotypes and some hints and tips for getting good results? And you know, be it using a camera to get a negative or maybe using digital negatives or even laying you know like your great fan and anna atkins anna atkins was it was it her anna. Name, the anna atkins mm -hmm. who started record using it as a means of recording difficult to capture botanical mm. specimens and right. al algae and stuff didn't she yeah absolutely back in, back in the day back in the day yes i wasn't there at that point um we've just had anna simon atkins, was uh 220th birthday. I don't think it's Simon's that old either. <laughs> no, not, not, not quite. Not quite. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I, Anna's brilliant. I, I love the fact that, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of controversy over the uh, controversy over um, whether she was the first female photographer. Um, obviously, I'm not going to get into that because I, for one, I, I don't have enough knowledge of, of that to... Um, 
to uh, say definitively it's this or that. Um, but if you think of the word photography as being drawing with light, um, which is kind of its literal translation, I suppose, then she was working with light and chemistry. <clears throat> and, and she was also working with Sir John Herschel, <laughs> wasn't he, back right. in the day, and Fox Talbot, and he was, she yes. was mates with both of them. So um, her dad, um, who was um, children, um, Mr. Children, he he was good friends um, with Herschel, who, mm. who originally um, sort of developed or invented the process. Um, I always it always makes me go and go. Huh? Did they invent the process, or did they just sort of discover the process? Because presumably, it's always worked. It's just it takes somebody to put those elements together to make that happen. So yeah, um, just the terminology. I always find like, huh, did they invent a process? Anyway, so so yeah, so it was that um, again. You know, it was um, her dad sort of introduced her to oh, this this process was happening, and so she took it um, and basically started. She used it um, for lots of different things. But the the beautiful book at the photography show, I was. Um, I was invited to um, deliver a pop-up demonstration um, sort of area, which was wonderful. I absolutely loved doing that. It was so much fun. And I had the fantastic Ruth team be with me. She's from the, uh, she's a photographic historian um, from the RPS. And um, she, she was basically delivering the historic, more historical side of things, shall we say. Um, and giving some fantastic insights into Anna's background and, and how it kind of, specifically how um she took that process um but what i found was wonderful was just sort of like seeing how into a world where there wasn't any color there was just these fantastic blues that she was bringing to the general public really so um her original book um the first person to create a photographic book um is a woman because it was anna atkins and she put together uh, this book is a companion piece to very dry text, um, which was trying to describe um, particular botanical specimens, algae, etc. As you mentioned, Andrew. Um, so rather than just reading about it, you could then see these fantastic um, images in blue and white, and and it was just I just think would have been incredible seeing those at the time, um, and uh, and still is. I think it still has such a beauty to it um obviously i know you work a lot with alternative processes um andrew and um there are things you can do obviously once you've created a cyanotype you can bleach it um and then you can add um you know toning to those other areas um as well to create different tones um but i'm a big fan of the blue and and again i just i love that idea that Yes, it was the original photocopying process, you know, <laughs> before we had faxes and, and computers and photocopiers, you know, for making blueprints, you'd make one version, your architect would make one version, and you could basically photocopy just using the sun, which is just fasc fascinating, I think. So um, hence we're blueprint and everybody goes, oh, my God, yes, that's so cool. So um, as you've mentioned, there's some fantastic um uh, sort of like things about the process it's so simple it's um really accessible it's um affordable um what i uh, tried to do was um because i know that obviously yourself and simon uh, know um i sort of invented a, a little kit an analog adventure kit which was um in order to 
demonstrate how you could use the physics of light and a bit of engineering and then sort of dip your toe in the water of cyanotypes. And I know you mentioned uh, Graham, my co-host Graham, and um, that he even he started doing it as well. And um, he bought um, one of my kits, obviously, I, I, um, for family and friends. He he bought a few um, few extra cards and things that I'd uh, made up for him, and um, he just totally got the bug. So as soon as he sort of like started with that, he was like, ah, okay, little experiment, little test just wash it in water and it's done amazing so um yeah he's he's caught the bug too it's um it's a lovely way of just getting into uh, the photographic process and obviously you can use large format negatives to create um these beautiful blue and white um prints uh, directly from uh, a negative i'd always suggest that you put perhaps something very thin between um i, d I don't like to put um you know my one my one and only um negative uh directly onto the cyanotype that's a, that's a good tip actually I, I, I don't i've not done much cyanotypes but with with salt prints um yeah. I, I to be honest i just lay the negatives straight on it mm -hmm. uh, never occurred never occurred to me to do anything else really but I mean, you're, you're probably you're probably right maybe i should to be you want it to be as close as possibly can obviously you yeah. know if you in order for it to still be you know sharp uh, because obviously the more distance you give your negative from from the chemical itself um the more likely you are to get a softer uh, softer image or you know or shadow or what have you so if folks um, want if folks want to start this mm -hmm. they can they can buy one of your analog adventure kits which I, i've certainly done and um yeah, or you very, can buy it there are a couple of commercial kits available i think photo speed might make one i think it's photo speed um, but um, then I, th then yeah. I think you can go and you can go and do, source your own chemicals because exactly. it's only only two, isn't it? Um, uh, well, um, yes, two two that you can mix together basically yes. fifty fifty ratio fifty fifty. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so so super simple. Um, and uh, yeah, basically mix those together, coat that onto your um, porous material. So it can be so basically anything porous will work, including your skin, which is why you have to be careful um, because you don't want to go home looking like a Smurf. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, so anything anything porous basically. Um, I tend to use a very lovely heavyweight watercolor paper but it's got quite a bit of texture um obviously what sort of weight about 300 or 340 yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah between those two really um and I, i've tried it on lots and lots of different types of um uh, papers and things and it just depends on you know what what floats your boat really um what what you enjoy if you put it onto something that's a little bit less porous or a little bit thinner um you can sometimes get a slightly lighter blue obviously the, the blues that you come out with the tones that you get will be slightly different as well um so again if you're making um you know direct um direct contact prints if you like from your large format negative think about what paper it's going on to obviously if you've got a negative with lots of fine detail you might want a paper that's got less texture so that yeah. you can see all that fine detail um similarly you know um vice versa of course um if you want something that's just sort of like a really blocky um abstract image or lots of backlit or you know something like that you could maybe get away with something that's on a bit more of a textured paper um and you can play with that as well you know of what i've done in the past is create the original um negative either a large format camera or one of my other film cameras and then 
um, maybe done that as a contact print or scanned that or created a, a cyanotype from that and then scanned the cyanotype and then layered that up with a digital negative uh, to create a very large format, you know, sort of like A3 size digital negative, basically, uh, large, very large format, um, and uh, and then make a cyanotype print from that. So you know, there's there's a lot you can kind of do um, with with using all of these kind of processes um, I together. Lot, I think a lot of people are finding if you haven't got access to a large format camera. I know Neil Piper has started playing around with the process. He's making his own digital negatives yes. isn't he so he's yeah, just take take taking a either a negative or even a positive and just and inver- inverting it or whatever you need exactly. to do and playing yeah. around with the tonality you yeah. know and, and i think and cyan- again, cyanotypes mm-hmm. are a bit contrastier because my mm-hmm. yes. the, bit contrastier than say the salt printing yeah i need yeah. quite really quite contrasty negatives mm-hmm. to get a bit of punch in the salt prints, but I think you you you're halfway there with cyanotypes. It's a, yeah. it's a bit a bit contrastery. It is, yeah. And, and, you're, and you're using a lamp, are you a UV lamp, or using sunlight? If you both, can ever find I any, use both. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it just depends. If if I can use sunlight, I absolutely do. Mm-hmm. Um, the difficulty, obviously, with sunlight, even when um, it's bright and beautiful and and what have you, is that it moves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to, you know, the amount of times I've spent like running around places with like picking up these cyanotypes that obviously you, you don't really want to be doing that. <laughs> Once you start an exposure, you don't want to touch it. You don't want to have to move it because obviously you're going to either move the negative or you're going to move the objects if you're doing a photogram. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty funny though. Like, Oh God, and sun's moved. Like I've ended up in the shadow and shift, shift along that way a bit. Yeah. Any tip? Any tips for the photograms? Because are you just laying objects on there? You're not putting then glass yes. on top. You're not. No. Flattening uh, well. Oh, I think there was just a car crash outside my window. <laughs> um, oops. Uh, there was a lot of smashing there. Sorry, sorry, guys. Um, uh, I'm just hoping it wasn't my car. Yikes. No. Okay. I feel. I was going to say, feel feel free to take a look Am out I, the window. Uh, give me just a sec. Simon, you've been awfully quiet, considering I'm supposed to be asleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, as we uh, as we discussed earlier, I was I was probably going to uh, lead the interview today, and um, and then when I got onto printing, then oh dear, okay. no, it doesn't. Good, does no, we've got live car crash TV. No car crash. This is called car crash podcast. Yeah, well, you say that. I think pod, uh, podcast, car crash podcast. podcast would have would have been yeah. the uh, the last two weeks of the classic lenses podcast, um, starting with the one that we did on uh, for April the first, uh, which was a mass uh, podcasters get together, and uh, and if that wasn't bad enough, we invited Em and Hamish uh, to join us uh, part way through the classic lenses podcast this week. And it pretty much turned into an episode of their hypersensitive uh, photographers pod, uh, podcast, which is pretty much by their own emission, something of a, a, a car crash of a podcast in its own right. Well, I've quite enjoyed listening to it, apart from that strange one where they just had loads of static halfway through. Well, all the way through, really, didn't they? But it was good. Well, I, I quite like. I like listening to them. They, they. I think they. They just used to ramble on the on the Sunny Sixteen podcast, didn't they? When they were both on at Christmas time, and that's basically the hypersensitive photographers podcast on the Sunny Sixteen. It was. 
you know that it, it 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 was, but that was that was moderated. Yes, it was. Um, whereas uh, they can't moderate themselves. M sort of tries to moderate himself and uh, Hamish, but it doesn't doesn't quite happen. Hmm. Have you done any large format photography this week, Simon? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't really uh, had much of a chance to do much photography at all. I'm, and I'm going on holiday next week as well. And um, I won't be taking a large no, format I, camera. No, I, I, if you go on family holidays, I think don't take a large format camera. Um, I've, I've often thought about it, but it's, you know, it's. I, I was with two people at the weekend and the first pictures I shot were in the middle. I said, I said to Kath and Joe, let's go somewhere where people don't look at us, right? And guess what I did? We walked into the middle of Norwich and there was these two red phone boxes and there was people everywhere. And I said to Kath, I said, Kath, would you, would you mind just standing in that phone box? And I got the tripod out and I got the wooden camera out and you should have seen. And I, I, I was just, folk, Kath says, everyone's looking at you. She said, I said, it's, it'll be fine. Don't worry. So I was drawing all sorts of attraction, but, I'd, in a way, I'd much rather be by myself, you know. Um, not many people take large format cameras to photo meetups, but but I did. And I, and I, and I told Kath, I, look, I want to do some portraits of you in different situations. And that was really nice. I've never really collaborated with anybody like that before. And uh, it worked well. Well, I think the, the, the next time I do the Mersey meetup, uh, which... Uh, Rachel was part yeah. of that, actually. For them. She tagged, tagged along. I think she'd been to uh, two. Yeah. Hour. I think she'd been to one uh, before. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't. A, I didn't go to that one. And the, then there was one in the autumn, which was my first. And then there was one that was uh, a few, well, probably a couple of months back now. Um, but uh, yeah, this next time, because I took so few photographs, because I just spent all my time talking. You do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that actually, I think I'm going to take my Meridian. Uh, camera with me next time take you know with a reasonably light tripod uh, because i took i think i took four or five photographs so i'm thinking well <laughs> that's that's me that's large format territory it is it for a yeah. day out yeah, so, yeah no it yeah, is that, it is good that, fun and fun. they're great conversation pieces and it's a great way to engage you know with people when i when i took my bomb wooden camera in the in the cafe you know we immediately we had the we had the owner of the cafe over it was in uh, it was it was the um, the mustard shop because Norwich is the home of Coleman's mustard, so it was in the mustard shop coffee bar, and and the guy came over and started chatting Hi, to us. Hello. Hi, so sorry. Is everything okay? No, <laughs> um, our um, our front windows gone th been gone through. Well, in the house or the car? Yeah, the house. Oh, yeah, man. so I'm gonna have to go. I'm so live, sorry. Live on air. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, yeah. guys. Um, but uh, I'm okay. The dog's okay and stuff. I thought she, they'd hit her and stuff. As Had well. a car come through or something, didn't it? Um, I'm not entirely sure what sure. it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you better go and attend to it. I, yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, oh, God. It's, <laughs> it's not the best, is it? Well, at least we didn't send you to sleep. We, no. But we, we ended no. on another dramatic no, line. Right. Goodness me. Uh, thanks anyway for the chat, guys. It's That's been lovely. really lovely to chat with you. And um, we'll catch up soon. <laughs> I'm yes. so sorry. Yes. Thank you, Rachel. I ho okay. do hope everything's okay. Thanks. Yes. Okay. Bless okay. you. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye. Well, I've heard all the excuses to get off a podcast now, haven't you? Goodness me. Yeah, that's uh, no, no, that's, that's, that's the best though. That beats anything I've ever heard before. <laughs>
it's like when you you see these programs and said, right, I'm going to go on this date with this bloke if it's a girl, and and if it goes, <laughs> if it goes, it, what I want you to do is ring me after an hour, okay? And if it's going really badly, <laughs> I'll make my excuses and say my mum's ill or something, you know. Do you think she got Graham to um, go and throw a brick through the window or something? I think there's a reasonable <laughs> chance it was Graham that did that. Yeah, he, get, he, gets, he gets very jealous think it's what it is. Of, uh, of, of Rachel appearing on other podcasts. Yeah. So uh, that, that, that's pretty much it. Um, okay. Well, I guess, I guess we're, we're drawing to the, um, drawing to the close of our podcast. In some I guess we are. Do, yeah. Do but take your, take your yeah. large format camera with you on, on the meetup. It'll be, um, it'll be, it'll, oh, I thought you meant it'll be great. No, don't take it on holiday. No, oh, that's my baggage allowance gone already. Yeah, it? yeah. Don't take it. I took an RB sixty-seven to Wales last year, and uh, you know that in many ways that's like using a large format camera because it's heavy, and you have to be quite considered with it. And uh, but Julie was very understanding. It's okay if there's just two of you, but not if you've got kids. I think it's you know. Well, well, the good the good news for me was my. I think I probably mentioned this on the first episode. I think, but um, I did take my large format camera for the for its first ever outing on a on a family holiday when we were staying in friends with friends in uh, uh, Kent near Dungeness, and uh, so uh, I was fortunate that I was given some time to be able to go to Dungeness with with the camera and uh, take a few snaps, uh, which was which was grateful. Dungeness um, is, a, is a wonderful place. And I did organize a photo meetup there once, but it was so far away. This was before the days of photo walk dot me. There were, I thought you meant cars. There was, no, <laughs> there was me and one other guy turned up and it was, uh, it took me like oh, three and a half hours to drive down there or something, but it was, uh, it's a great place. And, and I've been there over the years photographing, but never with large format one day. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's let's uh, do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we don't have any emails to read out this week, uh, but we do. But do you want to remind uh, people of where to send emails to? That sounds like a good idea. Um, we have a, an email address, and it's a long one, but it is the name of the podcast, and that is the large format photography podcast at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. So if you do have any questions or any comments you want to make to us and... Uh, um, and we can, we can also pass on messages of uh, well, well wishes to to Rachel, absolutely uh, yeah. Well, we'll don't. post something in the Facebook group. Hope she's okay. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, yeah. that uh, that Facebook group that we have, and we have a large format photography podcast Facebook group with over two hundred members now, which is pretty good for just a few weeks. It's becoming a really interesting place. Um, Nick Lyle from the Homemade Camera podcast is uh, is contributing. Um, he's all of a sudden contributing loads. I think he's just started listening to our first few episodes, and basically basically yeah. telling me where I've gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 making notes as he's listening. Good. Stopping the podcast. Goodness and me, I've never seen such long it. posts. I thought, yeah. goodness me, Nick. But they're, <laughs> they're great. So we there's some wonderful people keeping a tabs on what we're saying and and realizing that half the time we're talking gibberish and then he's um, i said well you know that's fine that's what the podcast and the facebook group work together it's a kind of synergy you know where the sum of the parts is greater than the whole and he referred to it as accessing the hive mind so there's lots of really knowledgeable people out there so you know if something that we say on the podcast you think we should have perhaps in, uh, enlarged upon it or spoken more about it or we didn't quite answer something Actually, 
go on the Facebook group or send us an email. That's probably the best thing to do. And start a thread or send us an email and we'll have another go. Actually, another thing about about that. I mean, you, you mentioned there that we've we've gone through two hundred members. Um, what really impresses me about the group is when people uh, ask a question or they just make an observation, and then people will then, you know, very they they'll they'll help them out. Yeah, there's no there's no in, sort in, of nonsense answers are they they're not no one's taking the piss or anything you know or giving you a sort of glib answer people are being very genuine and very helpful yeah but it's it's not just that as well it's just think i mean i'm i'm used to uh the group that we have with the classic lenses podcast has got eleven thousand members in it um and I'm there thinking, well, this is just a, a, a tiny little group and uh, say with a hundred members at the time when i'm and 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 the 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 reactions that people were coming up with and uh, the, the things that were being said in such a tiny group, it just didn't feel like there was only 100 at the time or 200 members actually in it because it just, it's, it's, it's concise, but it's, you know, there is just that willingness for people to, uh, to, to help people out. And I think that's great. And have, actually having Nick Lyle um, in there is, you know, he's, a, he's an arch uh, educator anyway in, in his own right and he's, he's not alone in the the type of people that uh, that are contributing in the group no there's one or two really noticeable uh, people who they who are really keen to show their share their time and their knowledge in in a very helpful way so thank you yeah. people yeah absolutely and on the subjects of thank you um we have a a thing called a coffee page which is ko-fi um, and that's a method where if you appreciate what we do you like what you do and you want to help us out um, then you can actually donate to the show and i'm absolutely thrilled uh, to say that uh, two people have, have done just Yay! that uh, um, one of those people uh, is james thorpe um, and James is actually, I know James, I think he's hes keeping the podcast community afloat, I think, because he, he regularly contributes to the Classic Lenses podcast and I think is a regular contributor to uh, the Sunday 16 podcast as well. Fantastic. So, uh, that's that's um, going, that's uh, duty over and above, isn't it? Or, it's, or whatever it's, the expression is. is. And uh, one of the things about uh, the, these Kofi or coffee uh, donations is you have an opportunity to leave a message. Um, and uh, James did leave a message, although he marked it as private, but uh, the gist of the message was uh, um, telling me to get my act together with the way that I actually set the coffee account up because he couldn't find it at first because I, I didn't put spaces in the right places. So uh, um, th so thanks to James, not only for donating to us, but also for helping me make uh, us a little bit easier to find on there now. So uh, if you just do a search for large format photography, uh, or a large format photography podcast on coffee, then you will find us. But uh, that that in itself highlights the effort mm. that Christopher J May also puts in because he found us without before. So I mean, we're not that, making. Uh, we weren't. What you're saying is we, we we when I say we, I mean you. You weren't <laughs> making it actually easy for people to give us money. No, no. and exactly. and they still did. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. yeah. James James you know, fought you. through the jungle to find us, as did Christopher J Thank May. Thank you so and, much, Christopher uh, and James. Yeah, and we've got a little message from uh, Christopher, and it says, uh, three coffees um, for three great podcasts oh, so okay. far. Really enjoying the podcast and eagerly await new episodes. So does that mean he's going to give four coffees and then five, then six, then seven? <laughs> he started something, hasn't he? 
Yeah. Well, there, there, there is that, but we've, we we, we're very grateful for we what are. you've done. We won't hold you to it. Please, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, and uh, and Christopher's actually, and I'm sure Christopher's donated to the Classic Lenses podcast as well. So I don't know if he's followed me around. Stalker. Or, um, yeah, but thank you very much, Chris, and uh, and again, thank you, uh, James. Yeah. Um, and uh, is there any any more loose ends we want to tie? Probably, but I can't think now. Um, no, oh, I, I, I know it's not, um, I know it's nothing to do with the uh, large format photography podcast, but as we don't have a lensless podcast to put out at the moment, because uh, we're taking a break as they do in friends, um, on Rachel mentioned worldwide pinhole photography day on the 28th of April coming up very sh- shortly. And if you'd like to, um, join Neil Piper of the Sutton and White- whitewash podcast uh, and myself and at the moment two other people then we go to photowalk.me website and look for pinhole day meetup in boston uk now you may not want to go to boston because it's kind of in the middle of nowhere in lincolnshire uh, but you know what it'll be worth it because me and neil will be there <laughs> what could be better than uh, than that maybe having simon as well so uh, why don't you come and join us, Simon? You're a pinhole photographer now, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I, I'm not entirely sure how that happened, but it does appear that I have, uh, that I am. Um, and I'd love to join you, but I'm doing my own. Oh, you are, aren't you? Yes. Yes, I say yeah. I'm doing my own. I've, I'm part of a photographer's collective oh, yeah. uh, in yes. Stoke-on-Trent. He's very arty. <laughs> Listen, yes. he's, he's, he's joined a collective. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I, need, I needed to justify my existence and uh, that, that's it I'm part of a collective now mm-hmm. um, so uh, please respect me and um, uh, and that's the um, Photographers Collective North Staffordshire and we are organising a uh, something for Will Pin All Day which again is on the same day as yours funnily enough <laughs> strange that isn't it of, uh, April <laughs> um, except this one's going to be at the Six Towns Photographic Club in Roundwell Street in Tunstall Stoke-on-Trent um, and I'll probably put something up on Photo Walk Me and uh, and I think there's actually a site for Will Pin All Day uh, another way you can there is the, the actual main there site is. so you there's, can put some stuff yes, on there as well various luminaries like Justin Quinnell who He's like the mad professor of all things pinhole. He he's part of the organising committee along with some other some other folk. But the actual worldwide pinhole day has been going for many many years, and this Boston meetup in the United States is is just a sort of spin off from World Pinhole Day. And because there's a Boston meetup in the United States, we thought we'd be clever and have one in the UK. So you've got a choice, folks. You can either go to Tunstall or Boston. And I'm not sure either of them have much to be uh, uh, to, to to write home about. So I hope we don't have any listeners in Tunstall or um, or where's the other place? Oh, Boston, because we've just alienated them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, 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 there's probably the, the the roads are better going to Tunstall. I would say. I mean, we have got the M6 not too far away from. I think that's so. quite likely. Get, getting to Boston is never easy, which is probably why there's only four of us going. <laughs> <laughs> and three three of them will be in my car <laughs> oh it might be four actually because i think my wife's coming and she's going to make the numbers up <laughs> excellent yes. 
Well, the other thing about that day as well um, at the Six Towns Photographic Club in, in Tunstall, uh, that's also the day that we're going to start, um, although I'm doing it now, obviously, to be, to be fair, and that's promoting... Um, we have a a film photography night. I think it's actually going to be moving to a, to Friday nights. Um, so we're trying to get people in the local area uh, to come and come and jo join us on a. I think I think we're doing this on a Friday night. It's we'll I'll put more announcement out as we uh, get closer. Um, but there, we've got a dark room. Um, we, unfortunately, we can't um, develop. Uh, we can only go up to six by seven, I think, as the uh, in, in, in medium format. So we can't actually do large format yet. But one day, yeah, um, you can start playing with contact say. prints, so can't you? That's, and that's a lot there of fun, that. as Rachel was saying. Four by yeah. five contact prints are, are lovely. So yeah, that's uh, that 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 will come, mm -hmm. and uh, certainly four by four, four by five. Uh, contact printing would be cool and actually that reminds me that I did actually do my first ever bit of printing um, a couple of weeks in a trial uh, which um, those people in the the lensless podcast would see my uh, expertly made uh, pinhole don't cam. take it out in the rain will um, you no or in the wind <laughs> um, in fact, in fact I don't used, take it out at all <laughs> no, I use I use my large format camera to actually rest on the top of it to actually give it some stability. Um, but I did actually do my first ever bit of printing, which was well a done. case of go in there, um, go in there, switch a light off, take take this out. You can switch the, the the red light on, and there's there's some trays in there. Put it put it in the first one until you get a picture, and then put it into the second, and then into the third, and then come back out again. Which is exactly what I did, and it was it was as simple as that. Um, which was I was quite impressed by that. That was, were you using paper in that pinhole camera? Okay, yeah. yeah. So there's no enlarger involved. So you had a nice paper yeah. negative. Exactly. Well, I wouldn't go as far as saying it was nice, but, um, but it's had, it had so what, on it. So what you can do then is is put it face-to-face -face with some other, with another piece of similar size photographic paper and shine the light through it, and then you end up with a contact print positive. I don't. I don't think the definition on the picture is probably going to uh, do it too much justice there. So I think I've already taken a, a digital photograph of it and just just um, played with it. And uh, or you can take or you can around. take a digital photograph of it. Yeah. But yeah. I, my my initial approach to things is to do it analog, which is do it properly first. Well, uh, do it hard. Do it the hard way. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well. I think on on that note, should we should we say goodbye to people? I think now? so. Yeah. And, uh, for, you can, so, how can people follow you outside of this podcast? They can follow me um, outside of this podcast. Oh, Lensless Podcast—that's a good place to start. Uh, so we're back in force on the third uh, of May, maybe somewhere around there. So you can find me hanging out at the Lensless Podcast Facebook group. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Warboys Snapper or Warboys Snapper underscore pinholes because I'm greedy and have two Instagram sites. You can follow me on Twitter at Warboys Snapper. Um, where else? Oh, I have a blog, um, andrewbartram.wordpress, and I don't sell anything on eBay much well, well i do actually i've got a pinhole camera on there at the moment funnily enough if with a day to go so if you fancy but by the time this podcast comes out it'll be gone <laughs> so ignore that 
well, well, I do lots of things on mm. eBay. Um, in fact, I've got an eBay shop. Uh, if you do a search for It's Fozzy uh, on eBay.co.uk, then you can find uh, some of the things I'm selling. Currently, I don't think I've got anything large format on there, but one day I will. Uh, but the problem is I'm still accumulating large format stuff and I don't want to sell any of it. Um, now, so, I did um, have a look on your store the other day. Uh, I think as I was posting this pin, I thought, oh, go on, It's Fozzy. And I did a search and found you. And it was just full of adapters. It was really boring. I think there was one yeah. one lens, maybe, and maybe one, possibly one camera. I'm not sure now. I think you had a six by nine folder, didn't you? A um, Voigtlander folder. Yeah, Besser. About thirty quid or something. Yeah, that, and that that sold two days ago. Yeah. So missed out on I that. I did. Uh, but yeah, I've I've been putting a few more things on. I keep on saying this all the time on on the other place where you can find me, which is the Classic Lenses podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, I need to put more stuff on because I've got loads of stuff I need to sell. Uh, but I'm going on holiday soon, so uh, in fact, when this podcast goes out, I will actually be in Madeira. Um, so uh, there'll be nothing on my website at all or on my uh, eBay shop. And, um, and I've just mentioned website. I've got a website which is simonforsterphotographic.co.uk, which has uh, pretty much just lens adapters. So uh, probably not a huge amount of interest to most of the people listening to this podcast. Um, and uh, I'm on Twitter as Simon Four, uh, for being F O R. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. Um, and you can find us both in the Facebook group uh, just called Large Format Photography Podcast. And I think, last thing again before we go, um, just to say. <laughs> Thanks to Rachel for being with us. Um, it's a shame that uh, her, her time was uh, her time with us was cut short because of uh, the accident in, in the house there. And I'm sure we'll, uh, by the time this goes out, we'll put some notes with the podcast just to uh, let people uh, know it's a happy end well it's hopefully everything will yes. be, uh, yeah, be sorted but uh, nobody was hurt at least anyway that's and she the, didn't that's, that's and i didn't get to ask her the question please rachel could you ex explain what the shime shime flug principle is please oh she'll have to uh, again another guest that'll have to come back see how they keep dodging that particular bullet don't they even ben, ben horn do. dodged it rachel went and threw a brick through her window so she didn't have to answer it <laughs> Uh, okay well right well uh, last of very last thing uh, just to thank kevin mcleod of incompetech.com for our two finger johnny <laughs> theme music that we use and uh, um, i hope you've enjoyed uh, this podcast and it'll be great if you can join us again next time so thank you and Bye. goodbye Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Large Format Photography Podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by my co-host Andrew Bartram. Hello Andrew. Hello Simon. That was a normal hello Simon. What do you want me to say to you? <laughs> do you have a different accent each time? He does. He's a, he does. Okay, we've, we've got that one out of the way now. <laughs>